Welcome to the Social Currency Podcast with digital marketing experts Jess Jensen and Tuck Ross. With a combined three decades of experience, they'll share thoughts on marketing, digital strategy, and social media to get you current quick. Looking to understand Google Analytics or how to optimize CPC? You're in the wrong place. This podcast drives discussion on digital and social strategy and their fundamental role in building your business strategy. In 30 minutes a week, we'll arm you with key talking points to speak with authority and confidence. Now, let's build your social currency. All right. Welcome back to the Social Currency Podcast. Thanks for being here, as always. I'm Jess Jensen, and joining me is my good friend, Tuck Ross. How are you, Tuck? Jess, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I know we normally record from uh, two separate locations in California, but today we're going East Coast, West Coast, as I'm uh, spending the week in Florida. It's always a good battle, East Coast, West Coast. It's hard to pick, but I'm always West Coast all the way. Left Coast, West Coast down. Yeah, yeah. that's very, very Tupac of you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, so by the way, if you hear like crickets in the background, just note to self, that's because I'm in uh, rural America. So apologies in advance. Not just because that joke completely fell flat right now. <laughs> <laughs> cricket, cricket, cricket. Crickets. All right. Right. Okay. So if this is the first time that you're listening, welcome. We're happy you're here. So here's the way this works. We'll kick off with a short intro on our topic. Tuck will hit on a current news cycle that we think is relevant to digital marketing. And then we'll get into the meat of our subject. Close out with a brief recap. The whole thing takes about 30 minutes. Today, we're discussing why you need a social media policy even if you're a small business or a startup. We'll talk about the types of things that are found in a policy, some examples from other brands that we think are doing it right. And we promise even though we're using the word policy, this won't be boring. But first, some news from Tech. The news. Oh, we love the news segment. All right, so guys, check this out. Twitch. We haven't touched on Twitch much, but if you're not familiar with Twitch, it's sort of like the YouTube for gaming. This thing grew up uh, really out of the former Justin TV, and it grew into the space where gamers were just sharing themselves playing video games. Sounds kind of funky if you're not into that, but if you're into gaming, this is where you go to watch and learn how other people are playing games and to have a community around gaming. It's a very cool space, and so um, Amazon actually acquired Twitch a little while back and they uh, rolled it into the Prime benefits, um, including the ad-free viewing and some of the rest of that. They actually announced that they're going to be removing that Prime benefit and you'll actually be having to pay for a subscription to Twitch in order to receive that same benefit that you're currently getting for free under Prime. So it's actually, uh, you know, it's going to it's gonna take a little while to roll out, but after October 15th, um, if you sign up for uh, Twitch and you jump in there, you're going to have to pay for um, Twitch Turbo, which is a separate monthly subscription program offering that ad-free viewing. Of course, as you can imagine, people are outraged that this change has happened because they're used to getting a lot of benefits with Prime, um, including Whole Foods and Twitch and all the rest of these things going on to it. Um, but it's actually you know, likely part of a bigger plan to, um, one, woo creators to the service, two, to create monetization. And that's one big thing for Amazon. As you look at kind of their platforms, they've rolled a lot of things into Prime 
they have a lot of ad-free services built into between Kindle and Amazon Video and the rest of these spaces. Um, but if they really want to compete in this space, especially around social, this is their best chance at a social network. And it's really the space where they have an opportunity to create a much different perception um, and platform as a content platform um, than anything else they have in their portfolio. So I think it's really interesting. I think it's a good move. Although it's irritating the current user base, it's likely a good, a good chance for them to one, grow with brands in terms of the advertising model, two, create a better, stronger subscription model that's a separate revenue stream than what they have now. And three, expand it out so that it gives a much better chance for creators um, to be featured and actually to create tiering among the viewers uh, as they move into this, you know, broadening of game streaming site. As we see things like esports, gaming, and all the rest of these uh, continue to expand. So um, we don't have a lot of numbers around Twitch and kind of viewers and play, you know, kind of how many people are there and what's going on. But it is huge. We know it's growing, and um, and we know they're starting to offer guarantees to creators as they're coming into the space. Um, so it's just exciting to see kind of where this is going um, as gaming continues to grow. So Twitch, check it out and uh, and watch how this space changes as the ads go. Yeah, and so just for the people listening, if someone just wants to get on Twitch and check it out, can they just do it for free? Do they have to create a username? Like, how does it work? Yeah, you can go on and watch for free, right? And so um, I've, uh, you know, it's actually, uh, this weekend was out and about and saw someone holding a big iPad Pro watching someone game while they're watching the conversation about the game happening. And it's actually pretty cool. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting to see kind of what that's at. Even if you're not into gaming, understanding what Twitch is and how it's being monetized is gonna be helpful for your brand because you may find your audience there. And again, as we think about social spaces, we typically talk about Facebook and Instagram as being primary, you know, other things like LinkedIn and the rest of that. But there's so many other areas where you're getting a niche audience um, and gaming is becoming uh, broader than niche now, right? And, and esports is getting out of a niche and gaming is exploding. So Twitch is really a spot that I think is very interesting. It's a space that is, um, it, you know, not not penetrated or, or maximized in terms of monetization that you can get from that attention that's happening there. And it's just growing. So go check it out and, um, and you might find something interesting. Cool. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear some feedback from uh, folks that are listening, because if Twitch is of interest to people, perhaps there's an episode solely dedicated to that. Again, in light. Yeah. Yeah. And so in light of our other um, episode around Instagram TV and, you know, we use the term YouTube killer, not calling Twitch a YouTube killer, but it's always interesting to see other video based platforms um, beginning to evolve, monetize and, and grow. So let us know if that's of interest to you guys. All right. So let's kick off the topic at hand, social media policies. So again, the word policy immediately makes most of us think legal, boring, out of date, big brother, all bad things. Apologies to my friends that are attorneys. (laughs) I promise this episode will not be boring and all of those bad things, but could actually save you a ton of heartache in the short and the long term. So let's begin with what it is. Social media policy should be a set of guardrails. So again, not rules, but guardrails that you follow as a leader and obviously roll out to your employees, whether that's 10 employees, 10,000 or 100,000 employees. Um, It should be available online so that all the employees of the company can access it. And ideally, it's drafted by a small group of collaborative folks. So not just marketers, um, not just 
the executive C-suite, uh, but also uh, communications or PR people, human resources, and definitely legal. That's a good call, Jess. And, you know, I, I think I would say I'd include internal and external communications in that in that definition of communications, because both of those teams will have an important say on how those things are looked at, depending on what the responsibilities are, you know, at your company. Um, and also, if your customer care team, customer service, whatever you call it, manages social media, be sure to include them, too, because a lot of times care helps manage the social side and or is interacting on the employees that it needs to know, um, especially since they're frontline of communication the customer how to be involved there as well. So if your social media corporate policy is really this corporate code of conduct, as you mentioned, that provides guidelines for employees who are posting content on the internet, either part of their job or as a private person, my first question would be, but why do I need a policy? Um, and I think it goes back to the fact that, and, and we've touched on this, right? Social media is everywhere. Everyone uses it at home or at work. And as we talked about, it's everyone's number one digital activity. You think about where we're at on our phones. Most of the time we're checking on something on social every time we check into our phone. And so the reality is that we really don't have all the same common sense about the world and all of us have a different view. And that translates and, and, and actually draws back to how we interact um, as a corporate person versus our private person. And so because of that, you as a business really want to have a framework to provide clear guidance of what, how, when your team members can, could, or even shouldn't engage on social related to your company or brand. Ultimately, the social media policy is a playbook. And I love that word because it's really, you know, that you're setting a goal of social media policy is that you want to set the expectations for the appropriate behavior and ensure that employees' posts will not expose the company to legal problems or public embarrassment. And on the positive side, instead of treating it like a command or control approach to only avoid harm, it's really good to find appropriate ways for your employees to engage with your brand too. And we'll, you know, we've talked about covering um, uh, employee advocacy programs in an upcoming episode because I think that's super interesting as part of this topic. But as much as employees can only cause, cause um, damage to a brand, it can also be the greatest asset in involving your employees in the social media program. But really starting here with a social media policy as a foundation to make sure that you're interacting properly on social media, that's key. Yep. Agree. And and I think it goes back to what you said, that the bulk of the time that folks are spending online is on some form of social media platform. So, you know, rather than ignore it or sort of bury your head in the sand, ostrich style, like just know that it's happening. It's happening during work hours. It's happening by your employees. So set it up from the very beginning with some clear guardrails that make sure that everyone's on the same page. And again, there's a shared um, uh, knowledge around what's common sense. So, so let's get into that. Um, and again, I love, I love the term playbook. I think that's critical. I don't want this to feel I like command control. I totally agree. This shouldn't be black and white and you never do this or you always do that. It should be a set of guardrails that you would modify and update over time as digital platforms evolve, of course. So top five things you want to actually put in your social media policy. I'm going to go through a couple. Number one, don't break the law. <laughs> <laughs> period. So, uh, again, <laughs> common <idea>. sense would <laughs> just to steer clear, but, um, it's just, there's enough examples out there. Um, it's surprising the things that people will write and not, uh, not realize that that's completely public, especially on platforms like Twitter. So, uh, don't break the law. Number two, don't share non-disclosed, meaning company confidential information online. 
So this could include product details that are not yet released, company financial results that have not been shared on an earnings call if you're public, um, details of customer contracts, um, and essentially, you know, if you if you think about if you know something or you've received an email or a document that's marked for internal use only, that's a pretty good sign that you shouldn't be uh, posting on Twitter. So this is a major one. I think I think one of the things I've learned in my experience is that not everyone realizes what they know actually isn't public. Um, they maybe think that what they're working on is public because certain um, customer sets or partners who we're collaborating with know about it, but the general public does not. It has not been written about in the press. It has not been disclosed in an earnings call, um, again, if you're a publicly traded company. So if you're not sure, ask either your digital marketing or your communications team, hey, can I talk about this on Twitter or LinkedIn or you know, fill in the blank platform? I'm not quite sure if everyone else knows about it. I might not I might know something that someone else doesn't know. So non-disclosure, uh, non-disclosed information is a big watch out. The third one is uh, really straightforward and doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily, again, nothing's black and white here, absolve you of all responsibility, but it does, um, I think, start from a really good foundation. And that's this idea of identifying yourself as an employee of the company. State that your opinions are your own. Put that in the bio of your Twitter profile, um, the bio of uh, your Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is that you might be talking about company-related product launches, things you're proud of, you know, new hires. If you're talking about things that you're doing at your company, you should disclose that you are an employee and that these are these are your own opinions. And again, this doesn't dissolve um, any affiliation or absolve you of any potential legal ramifications, but it at least, um, it, it illustrates that you have a working knowledge that um, your affiliation matters in terms of the opinions that you're sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love those three points and <laughs> I actually got stuck on breaking the law. I mean, this is like, do you remember Beavis and Butthead? It's like breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> Jesus, free. I know. I just, yeah. But, but, I, but I think it's a big one. And, and so like, I think the fourth point here is don't comment on legal matters. Current litigation, whether you got copyright infringement, contracts, even business development, any of that stuff. Like you said, you may think that you know it's it's kind of casual things, but um, just because it's known internally doesn't mean that anyone else should know it outside. So keep all that private, right? Anything you post, all this is discoverable, and you know, in extreme case, could be considered evidence against you, your company, or personally. So it's just better to err on the side of caution and keep that stuff, you know, to yourself, honestly, um, and, and inside the company walls. And you know, on the on the positive side, the fifth one here's my favorite: be kind. And um, you know, you and I agree that this is really a big business principle that that needs to kind of happen more often is the kindness within um, any kind of space. But um, but really, don't enter into hateful dialogue about religion politics, race, sexual orientation. I mean, that stuff doesn't belong anywhere anyway. Um, Walmart's policy sums it up nicely. Be polite and courteous. 
even if you disagree. Excessive name calling, profanity, fighting words, discriminatory, you know, discriminatory, sexual harassment, bullying, um, all these things. It's just there's zero tolerance for that. Um, and it's, I wouldn't even say now, right? Like that should have never been acceptable and it should never be acceptable. Um, you know, the easiest way in the current environment is just to steer clear of those topics entirely. If you see that going on, shut it down, uh, remove it. Those comments don't even need to be responded to if you're in the space and if you're engaging in that, get out. So, um, so I think that's, that's, that's a really good set of five points right there. Um, what else? Yeah. So I think those are the core five that almost any company can benefit from including, you know, we get into perhaps more consumer facing brands where you're selling direct to the public. You know, we can talk a bit about things from a retail perspective. Um, And so if you've got uh, either a social media team or an agency that's staffed to respond to customer service questions, then include some vocabulary around that, some guidance around that in the social media policy. And really what you want to get at here is, hey, um, unless you're part of one of those teams, if you're an employee, just hang tight. You don't need to respond to questions online that are really aimed at a customer service team or a social media team. Let the pros do their jobs. Um, It's going to just make your life easier, their life easier. And, you know, you know, include that customer care aspect of, of your policy within this broader scope, because um, a lot of folks, again, get real passionate about certain lines of product that they've worked on. Or again, if they're technical and they've got deep expertise, they feel like, hey, I can jump in and respond right away to this this question. But it's a can of worms. And again, if it's not your job, you know, you don't want to take that on anyway. So let the customer service pros uh, handle it and and bullet that out in the social media policy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like, like, like we just talked about, keep it positive, keep it kind. If it's not move on, um, and, and let the social um, team handle it, um, whether they're in care or in marketing or, or wherever they're at and, um, and make sure it's in the policy, um, f- you know, finally to make sure that it's a foundation of your core interactions and how people are treated online. Um, and I'd include a bullet about never disparaging or making negative comments about clients, customers, corporate relationships. Um, again, common sense for us, but most most of it, you know, we're seeing directly, keep it positive. Uh, I have a good illustration here. I think, um, you know, one of my spots, uh, one of our team members um, um, on her own made a comment uh, about one of the associations um, that we had a relationship with, and it was on her private account. And, um, you know, it, it was something that that was seen by executives and um, and ultimately challenged and um, and the topic was discussed. But it's about making good judgment calls about the types of things that you're sharing, personal opinions absolutely warranted and the rest of that. However, if they're related to any kind of relationship you have internally within the business, they do need to be kept likely off of your personal account. And those need to be addressed as part of your social policy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just, just to add to your point about disparaging customers, partners, even competitors, you know, um, most of us, maybe not everyone, most of us recall uh, back in the day, sort of from the consumer packaged goods world, things like, um, you know, Colgate versus Crest, Pepsi versus Coke. There was definitely an era, probably back in the 90s, where there was, you know, these head-to-head comparisons in the CPG space. Um, All good, but in my experience, um, the temperament and the perspective of um, leadership can change. It can shift over time. And so even if right now the vibe is let's be aggressive um, and let's make um, comparisons to our competition, you know, in 12 months or 18 months, that might be different or leadership might be different. 
Um, and again, if you're a leader listening, I'm sure this resonates with you, you know, as things change, the dynamics of a market can shift and your decisions about how we speak about the competition partners or customers can shift. So if I'm an employee, I'm just steering clear of that. I'm not going to get involved with that kind of stuff. And and on top of that, in many industries, the tech industry is a great example of this. Um, many um, entities are both customers and competitors or they're partners and customers. They kind of sit in multiple roles. So sure. I think just, just be sensitive to what's okay now might not be okay 18 months from now. And again, keep it positive, keep it kind. So another one that I thought was interesting, which is a little outside of my world, but I totally resonated with me, came from the social media policy from the Mayo Clinic. And they talked about, you know, don't friend or connect to patients. And I would imagine anyone in the healthcare, health insurance, um, you know, biomed, any of those industries could relate to this, this notion of keeping uh, a, a bit of a boundary between you and those that you service, unless there's a personal relationship that has already been established outside of work. Um, again, I can imagine those relationships, especially over time, could feel very natural and normal, but just just be cautious of, of how close you get when it's someone who's a, who's a patient or a customer. Yeah, I think I'll jump on that one too. Is that you think about as a you know as businesses get smaller, right? You're looking at entrepreneurs or sole proprietorships or um, you know partnerships or small teams, um, especially as you're growing your business on social. You know, a lot of these channels are used primarily, and there's people DMing you and sending you things. Um, just be careful with what happens in those spaces, and and that's you know needs to be addressed in your social media policy as well, um, because while some of these things may seem harmless, a lot of that commentary could resurface at another point and become part of something much larger. So um, keep the healthy boundary. Make sure that it's appropriate. Make sure that it's focused on the business, the product, the service, the relationship that's part of that you know brand or you know whatever you you are looking at as part of delivering that um, that value prop that you have. If it becomes personal, that becomes a line that's crossed and um, and, and starts to become a challenge to uh, what should be established as part of your corporate policy um, because it may be inappropriate. Um, let's jump in and think about what, what about speaking to the press? And again, this comes in many forms in the digital world we live in. Um, add another bullet here about not speaking to the media, press or journalists unless you're really a designated spokesperson for the company. And some people are media trained, they're set up for that. Um, care teams are usually set up for those types of things as well as other executives, but most people are not, right? And so if you get that type of inquiry, direct any emails, tweets, calls you get uh, from the media to your communications or PR team, if you have a question, ask your manager type of thing. Uh, but that's another good one that really should be included as part of your social policy is how to take inquiries um, from the press. Yep. That's a great one. Uh, so it's a lot to remember already. We've covered quite a bit and, you know, we hate to think about bad things people may or may not do. Um, but I, I feel like a social media policy is very analogous to say having an emergency fund in your financial life or exercising in the morning, you know, in the moment it kind of sucks. It's dark. You don't want to get up. It's not so fun, but guess what? You sleep so better at night and you prevent a lot of drama down the road by putting this stuff in place. Um, that's good. I like that. Yeah. So, so, you know, one aspect of the social media policy that, that came out of an article I read that I love from social media examiner, which was uh, this notion of for every don't have a do. And again, this goes back to 
it, this shouldn't all be negative, 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 right? You want to tell people it's almost like being a parent, right? You want to say, don't do these things. Instead, do these other things because often people don't know and we assume that they do. So I love this notion of telling your employees, you know, here's what we do encourage you to do. Here's what we do endorse you to do. Um, you know, this this could be things like being proud of a product launch that's publicly been um, shared with, again, the press and your investors. It could be, um, y- you know, some summer on the lawn concert series that you had a great time at with your colleagues. You know, it, it can be things that you're happy about and you're proud of. It could be sharing a brand campaign that's just launched in a specific commercial you really love. Whatever makes sense for, you, you know, your company, your brand. But tell tell your employees what they should do so that they have, um, they're armed with um, encouraging messages as well as some of these guardrails. And, you know, net-net, what you're doing is you're teaching your employees how to be advocates of the brand. Yeah, I fully agree with that. For every don't have a do, that's so good. And this could and will be a whole separate episode because we are gonna talk about employee advocacy. But suffice it to say, your employees really should be your biggest brand advocates and and they should be taught how to use social media properly and, and, and blogs and even podcasts. Hey, we're on a podcast. Um, <laughs> to profess their love and adoration for the company they work for. Um, and no, we're not affiliated with anything that we're doing with you know other things going on because it's independent, um, but it's also sensitive we're sensitive to our corporate social policies and those are things that need to be established at the businesses that all of uh, everyone is running to make sure that um, that everything's in line right and, and nobody wants to hear the no 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 without the yeses and so give your employees a picture of what you want them to do online I love Zappos's key statement which is be real and use your best judgment that's because all of us are on social and uh, you know it's talking about let's use it properly with a social media policy playbook it can be concise and positive it doesn't have to be 50 pages um, but it should be directive and really provide a foundation for every employee to understand the clear rules of engagement yep yeah so we covered a lot uh, uh this is a super important topic and i think as again as a leader or a business owner you want to have your house in order and part of that is your digital house so establish a simple social media policy that includes some major watch out areas that we covered today this can be company confidential information engaging in inappropriate or hurtful discussions around heated topics involving yourself in legal battles making disparaging comments or remarks about your customers or your partners. Those are all foundational pieces to a good, simple social media policy. We've got some links in our show notes with a few examples from other brands that we think are doing it right. We mentioned a few already, uh, and uh, you can use those as really jumping off points if you're just getting started and you're not sure how to begin. So that's a wrap. Pretty short and sweet today. Um, But again, a a real critical topic, especially if you're just getting started. Um, If you're a new listener to Social Currency, we would encourage you to check out episode 001, 002. That's uh, really our origin story, if you will, with some background on Tuck and I, um, and an overview of also all the different types of things we're going to talk about on this podcast. um, So you can kind of get a sense for what what you're in store for should you uh, subscribe or listen again. Yeah, that's right, Jess. And as always, we love your guys' feedback and uh, feed, feed, feedback, feedback, and input. Uh, follow us on Facebook. There's so many 
all these things are the same number of syllables. Too many so. words. <laughs> uh, okay, you guys. So follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash social currency show. Or you can hit us up on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, tag us and use hashtag social currency show so we can see it. And if you have a few minutes, check out our website, socialcurrencyshow.com. You can find all the places you can listen to the show, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher, whatnot. Um, send us an email, check out show notes and sign up for our newsletter. And finally, if you love the show, leave us a review on iTunes because we are awesome and we're running at five stars right now. So check it out. <laughs> we, we love reviews. We love reviews. All right. And thank you guys for so much for listening. We appreciate all the support. Jess, I'm going to talk to you next time. Yeah. West Coast, baby. I'll be there. East Coast, West Coast, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> Bye, Tech. <laughs> Bye. You just listen to Social Currency, a podcast with Tuck Ross and Jess Jensen. Like what you hear? Subscribe to Social Currency in your favorite podcast app and please leave a review on iTunes. Have a question for the show? Want to ask about a specific topic? Email us at info at socialcurrencyshow.com. If we include it in an upcoming episode, we will send you something awesome. Thanks for tuning in and remember to check out the full show notes with all the links that we referenced at socialcurrencyshow.com.